Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm honored to have State Senator Anthony Portentino as my guest today. Senator Portentino proudly represents California's 25th State Senate District, which includes places such as the Rose Bowl, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Griffith Park, Warner Brothers, Disney, Caltech, and the Claremont Colleges. Supporting public education, mental health, and sensible gun control have been priorities for the Senator during his time in office. His accomplishments include increasing funding for special education and the K through 12 local control funding formula. In addition, his efforts have created a science fellowship in the state capitol and established a unique partnership between the University of California and historically black colleges and universities. Senator Portentino currently serves as the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee and a select committee to foster trade between California, Armenia, and Artsakh. Welcome, Senator, and thanks so much for taking the time out of a very busy schedule to join me today. Well, happy to be here, Gilda. Thank you for having me on to talk about uh, an important topic. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for allowing me to call you Anthony for the purposes of this interview. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, my, my, my mother told me a long time ago, the day you think you're important, you're not. So uh, I don't need the title. Thank you. <laughs> Your mother sounds like a very, very wise woman. So to begin with, um, tell me, what do you feel is needed to support individuals with autism and other neurodiverse conditions? Well, I think we have to just, as a society, recognize that we have to do more for all of our children and, and all of those who have struggled. And, you know, every year we, we learn more nuanced uh, information and intelligence and, and uh, data about children with neuro issues, autism, fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, dyslexia, whatever it is. We're learning more and we have to be nimble enough from a, you know, legislative slash regulatory healthcare driven bodies to, to deal with the changing landscape as we learn more about what challenges our children face. And, you know, with autism, you know, we took great strides in insurance coverage years ago when uh, Senator Steinberg, you know, wrote a bill to, to require insurance to cover applied behavioral analysis as a covered treatment. Um, but other, you know, doctor-prescribed, evidence-based uh, ways of helping autistic children aren't covered by insurance. So I think we really need to sort of drill down and say, what are the evidence-based treatments? What, what options do parents have uh, to care for their kids and give them, you know, the early interventions they need. And we need to make sure that those are covered by insurance. Absolutely. I agree with you about that. So based on what you've just said, then, can you please share your thoughts about the importance of advocating in California and, and frankly, across the nation? Well, you know, the role of the advocate is to make policymakers do better you know, is to engage in the process. And, and clearly there's no stronger advocate for a child than, than their family members, whether it's a grandparent or a parent or a, a sibling. 
know, everyone should be advocating for the well-being of their family members and, and talking to policymakers across the board and letting them know what's working, what isn't working. Um, you know, many of us use personal experiences of how we, you know, think about legislation. You know, years ago, I had a brother who uh, we lost to suicide, and I learned a lot about the system when I was dealing with, with my brother in the system. And, you know, that became the genesis for legislation that I've done, you know, my personal experience. So what I would say to family members is be advocates and share the personal experience. Let policymakers know what works and what doesn't work. And, and more importantly, what is needed to address the acute situation that you're facing. All right. So then let's discuss some of the legislation that you've been involved with personally, uh, specifically SB 562 and SB 1207. Can you talk about those for just a bit? I can talk about a multiple, multiple legislative proposals. I mean, we have been trying for years to get medically necessary doctor prescribed autism treatments, um, science-based treatments covered by insurance. We've also been very much involved in trying to bring more training and the ability to deal with issues to our schools. You know, we want uh, school personnel to be trained mental health first aid. Uh, this year we changed our state law to require students with fetal alcohol syndrome disorder to have their own IEP. And so little by little, we're, we're knocking on the door. You know, I think that the effort to to, to bring, um, you know, more autism treatments into insurance coverage is important. You know, think of a family out there that, that has a child that responds well to something and you find out, well, wait a minute, it's not covered by insurance. And you say, but it's helping my child. Why isn't it covered by insurance? Um, think about the father whose 14-year-old daughter turned in her English assignment in school, got an A on the English assignment, and then two weeks later took her own life and says, I don't blame the teacher for not seeing the warning signs of suicide in the journal because the teacher wasn't trained to see the warning signs of the journal. And so, you know, that teacher needs that training. Think of the, the first grader who is in a two-income, hardworking family that, you know, doesn't realize their first grader has dyslexia. And lo and behold, that first grader becomes an eighth grader and has never been screened for dyslexia, never had the right uh, academic care uh, through first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And lo and behold, now they're an eighth grader and they're not a reader. And so, you know, I want to bring dyslexia screening to all first grade students in California. We're one of only 12 states that doesn't screen for dyslexia in first grade. So, you know, I want to cover all of those behavioral health and, and neural health issues in our children as early as possible in their in their in their life, so we can intervene as early as possible. Because we all know, the sooner you intervene, the sooner you you help, the sooner you properly recognize what it is that needs help, the better care that that ch child gets when their brain is able to adapt to it and, and thrive because of the intervention. And so, those are all sort of policy, you know, priorities of mine. All right, then. First of all, I agree with what you've just said, 110%. Um, as the mother of a young man with autism and uh, having gone through the school system, having dealt with uh, the regional centers, the government offices, what you're saying is spot on as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
So you've touched on it just a little bit, but can you expound uh, a bit about your ideas for future legislation? So we're going to bring back the the bill uh, on making sure that really necessary doctor prescribed um, evidence based autism treatments are covered by insurance. We're going to try to get that done again. We are going to bring back the you know I have a bill that mandates that all first graders get screened for dyslexia in California, and you know there was one particular assembly member who who blocked that bill. I mean, it got out of the Senate, I think, 38 to zero, bipartisan support, strong, strong support. And there was one assembly member who refused to give it a hearing. And so uh, he knew it would get passed if it came up for a vote. So he just didn't bring it up for a vote. And so we were blocked uh, for the past two years on our mental health first aid and our, and our uh, um, dyslexia screening. Both of those bills, uh, Patrick O'Donnell refused to give a hearing to. And both of them got out of the Senate 38 to zero. I mean, how could you be against training uh, school personnel to understand the warning signs of, of, of suicide and other mental health issues when we have a significant mental health crisis in our schools? I mean, it, we knew before the pandemic it was a problem, and now post-pandemic it's a bigger problem. We have three in five teenagers who think about suicide. And so they, children spend an, uh, an inordinate amount of their life on a campus the people on that campus should be well-trained in understanding the warning signs of mental and, and behavioral health issues and be able to direct a student to get the right, the right course of, of action. And the idea that one assembly member refused to give that bill a hearing is reprehensible. And frankly, it will lead to tragic results because we're not training school personnel to intervene. And the same for dyslexia. The same assembly member refused to give a hearing to our dyslexia screening bill. And so I'm bringing both of those back and also the, the insurance coverage for uh, autism. So we're, I'm dedicated to all three of those issues in my final two years in the Senate. At this point, I'd like to ask, is there anything that I haven't brought up that I haven't asked you that you feel is important that you would like our listeners to know? You can ask me about, you know, is there a social justice component to these issues? Well, is there? Is there a social justice component to these issues? Please let me let me know your thoughts on that. Absolutely. We know that, you know, families that have more means, um, you know, will get their child in front of a pediatrician in 15 minutes and hardworking families or single parent families with other challenges in their lives, you know, may not have uh, the, the ability to to get their kids to the right you know, professional right away. Um, and that's where we rely on our schools to help um, because they're uniquely situated to, to, to detect and, and direct for help. There's a study out of Texas that has seven out of 10 inmates in a particular prison are dyslexic. Um, there's another study that shows, you know, children who weren't properly cared for with fetal alcohol syndrome disorder end up in the criminal justice system later in life. Um, and so, you know, we have societal responsibility and moral obligation to try to help these kids when they're so open to that help, when they're young, when their brains are able to, to, to receive that care. And if for other socioeconomic uh, or geographic 
access to healthcare professionals, we're not getting those kids the proper care. That's on us, and we just need to do better. And so, uh, you know, that's another reason why I'm so committed to these issues. Now, for me personally, you know, I I was that son of a single mom who you know didn't realize that I was dyslexic until the eighth grade, um, and you know, thank God, my mother finally you know took me to somebody in the eighth grade who started to help me. Um, but I have three learning disabilities. I'm I'm of the pre-Ritalin generation, so I just got in trouble when I was in school. Um, but you know, I'm ADHD, I'm dyslexic, and I'm also what's called cross dominant, which is the one no one ever heard of. Is I'm right armed, right leg, but left eye, which is why my penmanship and spelling are horrible because the the eye hand coordination doesn't coordinate, and so. You know, even to this day, as a 61-year-old state senator, if somebody puts a marker in my hand and says, go right on the board during a retreat, that scares the heck out of me because I don't want people to see how poorly my penmanship is and how bad my spelling is. And so, you know, as a 61-year-old senator, the stress level in me rises in those situations. I can't imagine, again, today's, you know, 8-year-old or 10-year-old or 11-year-old you know, with unscreened, undiagnosed, you know, neuro challenges having to, to, to function in today's education system, which is immediate and can be harsh and, you know, can be direct. And, you know, we just as a society have a moral responsibility to do better. Well, I agree with you 100%. And as a parent, I personally want to say thank you for everything that you've said and for the support that you are doing your best to give to this community because it is so, so very desperately needed. Well, thank you, Gilda. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, we got to, you know, every parent out there, you know, no one advocates better for a child than a parent or a grandparent or a sibling. And, uh, you know, we need to, we need to do that. One thing we didn't touch upon was the whole mental health versus, physical health in schools. And, you know, last year I was able to get a bill signed by the governor to have mental health treated equally with physical health. Um, and I tell the story that when I was doing an editorial board interview, an editor asked me, uh, would I be concerned about a parent, you know, lying on the absentee note with a child struggling with a, uh, behavioral health or mental health issue? And I said, the fact that you don't assume the parent would lie because Johnny had a cold, but you would assume the parent would lie because Johnny has depression underscores the reason why we need the bill, because that's the kind kind of stigma that we need to get rid of. You know, physical and mental health should be treated the same way. And the fact that an editor from a major newspaper would ask such a dumb question underscores why we need to do more with mental health awareness and just destigmatize mental health. And you know, one of the things I learned after my brother committed suicide was how many people came up to me and talked to me about their own family struggle with mental health and suicide. And, you know, it wasn't until I joined the club um, and became a survivor that people were comfortable talking to me. And again, that just underscores how important it is to get that conversation out of the shadows and out of the darkness and on the forefront. You know, we'll go to a social gathering and we'll talk about our weight. We'll talk about our cholesterol, we'll talk about, you know, other physical issues, but we won't talk about 
mental health challenges, and we got to get away from that. We got to be we got to be open and honest as a society to deal with those issues as well. And I agree with that. Also, it's amazing once you feel comfortable in discussing those topics, and once you reach out to other people, it's amazing how many people have been touched by a loved one, a family member, someone they know, or themselves with right. mental health issues. And to to have to feel stigmatized or, or ashamed of that is absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. Right. These, these issues know no boundary. They know no geography. They know no socioeconomic status. They affect everybody. Absolutely. So then tell me, how can our listeners reach out to you if they have issues, if they have questions, if they want to advocate? So they can, they can contact uh, me through my state website. Just Google Anthony Portentino and the, the official state, 25th State Senate District website will come up. Uh, they could call my, my district office if they have a district issue, which is 818-409-0400. Um, so either contact me through the website or call my office. And, you know, we're happy to help to the best of our ability. I can't make any promises that we'll, we'll be able to, to help whatever your situation is, but I can tell you we try our best. Well, thank you so very much, Anthony, for your time and for sharing your thoughts with us today. And please come back soon and give us an update. All right, Gilda, my pleasure. You be well. And you as well. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.